Welcome to episode 24 of the Courtside Indiana podcast. This is Jim Reamer, joined as always by Zach Tyler. Zach, how was your week? Uh, last week here before we head back to the virtual classroom, uh, Wednesday. So Wednesday. I tried, tried to relax a little bit and again, pool, went to a lake this weekend, had a birthday party, so been busy. Getting the... Uh... Yeah, those last days, usually the last days of the pool, I don't know. I don't ever spend a whole lot of time out in the sun. So um, when you don't have kids, you don't have that that, that late rush. But, um, you know, it'd still be nice to um, still be nice to take advantage of some of that stuff. And a lot of that stuff is either shut down or constrained. And, and every week it seems like we took we talk a little bit about COVID and we're starting to see college. We're starting to see college football and high school football ramp up a little bit, and and then maybe even yep. come to a complete stop. So, this is going to be a pretty big week, isn't it, for that stuff? Or at least for high school, for college, for college football. Um, the Trevor Lawrence stuff. Did you see that come out on tw- social media before we started yeah. recording? Yeah, I saw what he said. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with him. And we we won't spend too much time on this, but I don't I don't disagree with him. I as as vigilant as i am and and i wear my little gator mask or whatever you want to call that uh around town whenever i'm out and about um but i I just think we're at a point where they got to see what works and what doesn't work um and unfortunately it's the youth the younger section of the population that we're trying it on and i don't know our group's been playing basketball for what two months now two three almost three full months uh no two and a half months and we've not had any issues yet um we had one kind of indirect scare with a with one of our players uh but that was more of a family thing and they tested negative so they were good shape but other than that that's the only the only hint of it so um but the, the facilities we play in um, have been very very vigilant on um, making sure they're wearing masks, making sure we're at least checking temperatures before we walk in, and they do a great job of of uh, spraying and wiping down common areas uh, for for players at least the benches, scores tables, things like that. So the bleachers, you're kind of on your own, <laughs> and I've I've taken a, a lawn chair to my last two events, so. And a lot of it's so I can be comfortable, but but there also is a little bit of guarantee too that I'm the only one that's sitting in it. So exactly, but, um, it's not unlike me to take a lawn chair to a to a basketball event. So uh, at least in the summer. So, um, well, we had sort of had a light week this week, didn't we? As far as offers go and and recruiting updates. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we'll go through that, and then we'll uh, see if we need to touch on any of these other any of the offers that came out this week. Okay. Uh, Blake Barker from Columbus North picked up an offer from Army. Uh, Jake Heidebreeder got two offers this week, Evansville in-state offer there, and then Idaho. Uh, Rasheed Jones, I haven't mentioned his name very much from Marion, but he got an offer from Winthrop. Uh, Jackson Paul, two offers, Goshen and Northern Oklahoma. And then uh, Isaac Venzel today got a Merchant Marines offer. Yeah, the Merchant Marines is a strange one. They've, they've actually – been involved with a couple of other Indiana kids in the past and as we were looking it up to try to figure out who they were I couldn't remember who but but I remember that being um being the situation so um Barker's offer is interesting or is good because it's his first division one offer uh and he's kind of a borderline kid I don't if you've not seen him play he's 
Um, he can score in spurts for sure. He's extremely strong, extremely springy. Um, he, he jumps better than he moves laterally, uh, but he but he works his butt on defense or works his butt off on defense. And, you know, he's going to be, I think when it's all said and done, pretty high up the list of career scorers at Columbus North. Um, Tyler Breeder, uh, his offer, was that his first Missouri Valley offer? Uh, I believe so. I should have had that loaded up. Uh, let's see. Um, I think that was his. I think that was his first Missouri Valley offer. I got to get that page loaded up here, and it's not cooperating, of course. Yeah, same. Site's probably crashed. Who knows? No. Um, here it comes. The. Um, yeah, the Heider Breeder. No, that's the second offer. Oh, of course, Indiana State was one of his early offers. So that's no. So that's his second Missouri Valley offer. And his other offers are Furman, Idaho, uh, which he also got this week, as you said, Indiana State, Lipscomb, Navy, and Vermont. So, uh, but that that's accumulating a nice range of colleges for him. And and um, I I just like his length. I like his frame. The the amount of weight that he's going to be able to put on. Um, and, and that's just going to make him better with his ability to shoot the ball and, and, and even at times be a primary ball handler. So, um, that's, and it's close to home. So not that Indiana States, either one of those two schools and, and Lipscomb, I think would be, would be great because I know how much his dad likes watching him play. Not that most, I mean, most parents like watching their kids play, but, right. um, but his father, uh, was, was a really good high school player as well. So. Uh, the Jackson Paul offer from Northern Oklahoma. Northern Oklahoma's head coach is Aaron Butcher, who's from Indiana. Uh, was my assistant for three summers uh, while he was um, also the head coach at Ancilla Junior College or Community College. And they did, he did a lot more at Ancilla than anybody had done before him. And I, I don't know much about their program before the guy that was there ahead of him. Um, but they didn't win like they did when Aaron was the head coach and, and he got a chance to, to go into a bigger situation from the junior college ranks. And he's doing a good job down there in Enid, Oklahoma. So, um, you know, as an advocate of him, I'm looking for him to, to get a chance to get a division one assistant job here pretty soon. And, and uh, hopefully in a position where he can recruit the Midwest because he does a heck of a job of getting kids down there. He's had sure. some Indiana kids go down to Oklahoma. So, but, um, anybody else, any other, any of those others, we didn't have a lot this week. Anything else you want to touch on before we move on? Uh, I've seen Jackson play, uh, any of the other guys I haven't had the chance to see play, so I can't really speak on them, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, it would have been nice to see Hyde Breeder this summer, but I wasn't able to. Yeah. We're getting down to the end of it, but the, um, and I wish, well, he's, he's deep South, so that's a tough that's a tough road for you as far as getting out of your area. Um, but well, moving on, we, we, so we had this weekend, we had Saturday, we had what was called the battle of the brands and it was the Indiana elite uh, top two teams versus Indy heats, top two teams. And, and they played each other across three different age groups. And I, I think really we're going to focus primarily on 2021 and touch a little bit on 2022. I've got three guys at 2022 that I think we're going to end up talking about, but 
but you had a chance to watch the 2021 game. What were some of your general impressions? And um, then we'll kind of compare notes here on the fly. Okay. Uh, Indy, it seemed to be more of a complete team. Uh, yeah. Inside out, you could see first was dominated by Duncombe, I felt like, in that game. Uh, and that surprised me because of – I the Indiana Heat team a couple times this year and they looked really well like a final machine I did see them uh, but of course they were also hitting outside shots in those games so uh, that kind of hurt them in this one I felt like especially early on yeah I mean it's it, you know from the outside shooting perspective I mean Luke Good wasn't hitting shots early um, you know and I don't I don't know. I thought the interesting matchup, of course, that most people were watching. I mean, every, I mean, I think of like three of the three or four of the kids I coached were, were there with us watching, were there with, was there with me watching the game. So they were interested in seeing, you know, some of the guys that already have high major offers and that's what kids do. Right. Um, and how much better Duncan was than first was striking. And Definitely. it was, um, you know, and even even Kaufman. So, you know, the interesting thing with Kaufman was they're in their game. We've we've talked about this before. I don't know that we've talked about it a ton, but we've definitely talked about this on, on one of our podcasts because we've talked about Trey a lot and, and first some. Um, you know, during their regular season game, when Blackhawk played uh, Silver Creek at Southport, Kaufman had early had foul trouble in the first half, and he was guarded by first and and he was stymied. He wasn't completely shut down, but it was definitely, um, you talk about translation of skills, what translates to higher levels. And, and while I think most people agree that Kaufman's ceiling is higher than firsts, at that moment, the things that Kaufman's doing well wasn't necessarily, um, wasn't to the point yet of, of just, I mean, first is a high major player. So it wasn't like Kaufman was going to go out there and completely dominate him. Right. Um, but definitely first had the better of the two when they, were, when they played. Now, the part we've talked about is Jacoby, Cooper Jacoby came in, you know, and, or not came in, but he moved over to guard first when, uh, when Kaufman got in foul trouble. And Jacoby was more effective on, on the defensive end of the floor against first than what Kaufman was. Um, and Kaufman came in the second half, didn't really get any more foul trouble the rest of the way and had a really good second half. And Silver Creek ended up catching back, catching up in the game, passing Blackhawk and, and actually kind of won going away. Um, so, the, you know, so you look at, now you look at first playing a guy like Duncan, you got an IU, you got an IU recruit, you got a Purdue recruit, you've got that little, you've got that little subplot going. And Duncan just, or Duncan just completely owned him. Now, for those who don't know, Logan Duncan is committed to Indiana. He's a, he's a kid out of Cincinnati Molar. He's about 6'9", 6'10". Um, he is definitely taller than first. Um, he's not a lot taller, but he is definitely taller than first. And I think he's longer than first. And I thought a great comparison to, that someone made to me about Duncan was how much he reminded, reminded him of Kirk Haston that played at Indiana back in the late 90s and, and early 2000s. And... Um, Duncan was better. Now, 
you know, there were there were some times where he kind of chested up first, and and some of that length was able to, you know, was able to to prevail. And and how much Duncan can do that against other Big Ten caliber centers who might be bigger than him, um, that remains to be seen. But between the two, at least that in, in that in that snapshot of of just one game, I mean, Duncan was, I mean, he he was dominant. And, you know, and I think they were ahead at one point, 26 to 11 or 26 to 12. Um, I think Duncombe had 14 points and Kaufman had nine. And I know by the time they got to halftime, I think Duncombe had 17 points and Kaufman had 15. I think that between the two of them, they had 32 of whatever their amount was, like 55 points. And, you know, it was – and the – the guy guarding Kaufman was was uh, Pierce Thomas, yep. and you know, and, and what I liked about Kaufman's per, from the Kaufman perspective was how he was able to put the ball on the floor and at least get places against Pierce. Pierce is a really good defender, Definitely but Kaufman was defender. yeah, and Kaufman was able to get places on him, um, and then Pierce just had a hard time, of course, guarding him in the paint, and you know when you've got three or four inches on a kid that's going to happen but but um but then I liked how well Pierce shot the ball and if you're a Butler guy and with you know his proximity wise I'm you know I obviously Butler's a team I root for I like seeing Pierce being successful so but the the big matchup came out to be first and Duncombe and, and Duncombe clearly got the better hand and and then Kaufman of course had a really good game as well so um what what were your thoughts between those two, and then and then add in there anything else that you that you saw that stood out in your mind? Yeah, uh, I wrote that down on here also on my notes that I took as well. I said Duncan was just dominant. Uh, you mentioned the fourteen points. I it was fourteen points in seven minutes, the first seven minutes of the game. So mm. he just took it right to first uh, every time. Offensive rebounding uh, was was there for Duncombe also. And I had never seen him play. Uh, and I'd seen first play, like I mentioned before during the season and uh, for Indy, uh, Indy heat. Yep. And he had, had gone up against nobody like this before. So it, it, it was definitely uh, something good to watch. And then also like you talked about with Pierce on, on Kaufman, I felt like he, he handled Kaufman early, but then it just ended up being too much for him later on in the game. Uh, uh Blake Wesley played like I thought he was going to uh, for Indy Heat, missed some shots in the first half like most of the guys did. I think they only had two or three threes in the first half, uh, and I didn't keep track of how many they shot. But that's that's a big part of their game, I feel like. Uh, I feel like Indy Heat's a little more individualized, at least they seem to be in this game, where they were running a lot of, uh, a lot of ball screens early on for me, whoever was running the point, Blake also. And right. Duncombe, Duncombe and Kaufman were able to sit down on defense on the in the post players and and deny anything that tried to come that way or anytime somebody was able to blow by and dish off it wasn't wasn't going to be an easy bucket for for Indy Heat. The, the Indy Heat battle with it, it was funny because we're, I don't want to go to the 2022 game just yet, but but the one thing it was Indy Heat. 2021 and then Indiana elite 2022, there was a lot of isolation stuff and neither worked. Um, yeah. I, obviously Indy heat did get some opportunities 
Um, there was a stretch there, and I wanted to comment on this. That as they sort of closed the gap to 12, they closed the gap to 12. And what was really noticeable was how winded Duncan was even early in the second half. So, you know, in the summer games, we don't get a, we don't get a full halftime. It's usually three minutes. Sometimes it's five. I wasn't paying attention. You know, usually if you play a showcase game, uh, you, you, we get a five minute, we get a five minute halftime unless it's, unless we're, unless we're falling behind. Um, because show t- showcase games are meant to start at a certain time, specifically like no questions asked. Your, your game starting at this time, unless it's the game before you goes long. So sometimes you do get a little bit of extra time in, you know, during halftime, but, but he was winded and, you know, Indy heat took advantage of that. There, there wasn't a whole lot of, uh, there wasn't a great lot, a lot of defensive rotation. And that's where you could see like Roper and, and Michi Johnson, both out of state guys. Uh, and Michi Johnson is a cousin of LeBron James, which seemed to excite some people, but, um, but, um, you know, other than that, those two guys, that's the starting backcourt, basically. I mean, that's a rope. That's not, that's not true. Roper didn't start. They start um, Pierce and Wesley, and they basically start good at the four as a fourth guard um, or, or as maybe a second wing. And, and, and then they started first. And, but, you know, I don't want to spend a lot of time on out of state guys, but Michi Johnson did not shoot the ball well in the first half. It's kind of a set shot. Um, Roper both both brought more to the table in the second half, but only during their run. And then Indiana Lead, of course, was able to get some more traction and stretch it out. But I thought Wesley was impressive in transition, which is expected. Yeah. And and he shoots the ball well, so you you, you don't have the luxury of laying off of him. Um, and I don't know that how many teams in the summer vary their closeouts, how many of them close out effectively at all. But, but um, you got to be tight enough on Wesley because he can't, he can't pull and hit from deep. And then if he can get one little, he can just get a little bit of an opening. He's going to finish the rim and, and he's tip, he's typically the best athlete on the court. And and, what was funny, speaking of best athlete on the court, the one guy that I thought for Indiana elite, disappointed me a little bit and is another out-of-state guy and it's only because the one couple weeks ago we talked about him a lot was uh, Will McCracken the kid from Ohio let's see he was from Kentucky kid from Kentucky I think he goes to Covington McCracken goes to Moeller yeah so we got three guys from Moeller in this game huh oh no they're um hold on a second let me me look at this real quick can't seem to get my oh the the Jalen Gibson's from Illinois okay so McCracken's a Mueller kid. Okay. Yeah. Three, three weeks ago, he was just phenomenal. And this time, this game, this time around, he couldn't hit from the outside. And it really impacted the other parts of his game because I don't think the Indy Heat guys were really respecting him. And he wasn't really hitting his outside shot. So he couldn't really get an opportunity to, to get by anybody. And I was trying to impress upon the kids that I coached that was there with me watching how athletic he was because – like I said, three weeks ago, he put on a show and he put on a show both in terms of his skill set and his athleticism. And um, the other guy that played, huh? So it's your fault. He didn't play well. That's right. Probably jinxed him. Yeah. But um, Jared Kineski had a good, had a good stretch there. Um, Brewer could make some, Brewer made some plays. I thought Connor Hickman was good in terms of just sort of settling things down when, when Andy Heat was able to get going. 
he didn't have the kind of game I thought he would have. I thought he would hit some outside shots. Um, I thought he would get in the paint. And, you know, I think they, they run so much two post stuff. It's kind of tough for him to get into the paint. Um, but, but he's just a highly efficient guy who can, who can really shoot it from the outside. The good thing about those guards, I feel like for Indian elite was they're not going to do something to, to take them out of the game. They're steady, solid guards job. Uh, very under control. Well, and they, when you've got two guys, two bigs that are skilled, that helps didn't have, I mean, I didn't have two high majors, but I had two kids that could really pass the ball in my class 2015 team, which was Derek Smith's and Bronson Kessinger. And we could run a lot of offense through them. And, and it, as good of passing guards as we had, you, you still can alleviate a lot of pressure um, against really good defensive teams when your bigs can handle it. And that's what, that's what Indiana Elite has. And, you know, and I don't know that they had – and it's not like Indy Heat's – I mean, first is skilled. Um, but the other rest of those guys are out there trying to look for their shots. And in, and in yeah. Indiana Elite's case, even the big stuff, everything was looking to go high-low or, or even low-high. I mean, you could tell that, you know, when the ball went down low, usually to dunk them, that Kaufman was then cutting into the mid-post or the high-post. And, and, of course, anytime the ball went to the high-post, whomever it went to, the other guy was ducking in. And there just was a little bit more cohesiveness on what they were trying to do. So, um, but um, – and then I thought Mason Nicholson from Gary West. I mean, he's a big kid, and was he was able. Yeah, he was able to put a body on on first, and just you know, first doesn't get a chance to get a breather. I mean, he's probably. I mean, he's a better. Pro, I mean, he's a better prospect than than Nicholson. But Nicholson is definitely a you know a Division One caliber big and definitely a mid major caliber big. I'm surprised he hasn't gotten more action on the scholarship offers because he is he's huge. And I think he does a good job of crashing the offensive glass. Um, you know, he's going to be slow-footed. Uh, so he's not going to be a rim-run guy. He's going to be a guy that maybe you can – and I've not seen enough of him. Maybe he's a guy that can't get out and do much in their ball screen defense, uh, which is something that is, just becomes more and more important as teams like to spread it out and play the dribble drive stuff. But, but, um, but you know, you take out Duncan – and you think, okay, now first is going to get a chance to, to have the better matchup. And while he's a better prospect than Nicholson, Nicholson's just bigger. Right. And so first went from struggling against Duncan to having a little bit more success against Nicholson, but at the same time, he just could not avoid the pounding. And, and Nicholson was, was pretty effective in, in the minutes that he got. So um, the other Indy Heat guy um, – Let's see, we talked about first, we talked about, yeah, Goody didn't shoot well. No, I think that was it. Um, and, and I like Cicely and, and Swope didn't seem to do well in this game. No, you know, and I, I think Cis, Blake's, a, Blake's a, good, a good transition because I noticed this too when you look at what happened with Indiana Elite's second team playing Indy Heat. You start to see some separation, and you look at it and comparatively speaking to like um, – first versus uh, Langdon Hatton and you know Langdon did not shoot the ball well and I and as much as I like his above the break three the ability to hit that shot um, 
he did nothing in the paint when they when they played Indy Heat. And I know that's not a guy you've seen live. Uh, at least I don't think so. But no. you know, you start to see some separation. And then when you see Sisley go up against Kaufman and go up against Duncan, you know, he's he struggles a little bit there because he's not longer than they are, which is something he can often rely on, and he's not more skilled than they are, even though he's very skilled. Right. Um and they're not doing a lot for Sisley in the area of picking and popping or getting him touches on the perimeter. Uh, there's not a lot of versatility in how they lose use Sisley. Um, no. And while Sisley probably has more success against Silver Creek than he does in a in a matchup like this, it's because Silver Creek or it's because Heritage Hills is doing a lot to make sure he's getting touches in optimal positions, which that's not happening on the summer team and. And that's not to say that he's a he's a bad fit in the situation. It's just when you play on a team that's got a lot of talent, presumably a lot of balance, sometimes you do have to get your own. And and that's not always in the best interest of some kids, even even a kid that's as skilled as Sisley, especially when they're going up right. against guys like Kaufman and, and and I we experienced that too with, with the Kessinger kid from Corden when we would play high major bigs. Um I'm gonna forget now the guy that went to freaking Louisville. Um, we'd play against high major bigs. Bronson would battle, but then he would struggle with just the extra level of length and the extra level of athleticism. And, you know, and, and that's kind of where Sisley is right now when you compare him to Kaufman, when you compare him to, to um, Duncan in situations where they're not wrapping any part of the offense specifically around him. So, um, but no, but, you know, Blake still – you know, definitely with the offers that he's got, that's that's just, that's a great fit for him. And this might mean he's not a high major guy. I don't I don't think that's necessarily a negative because you've got to be really damn good to play in the Valley. You've got to be really damn good to play in the MAC. Um, right. You know, even the Ohio Valley. Usually around here, when we say Valley, we mean Missouri Valley. But but you look at Ohio Valley schools. I mean, they've the top half of that league is usually pretty is usually pretty good. So, um, but. You know, and that was Isaiah Swope was a kid that when you see him play um, down at that Pocket City Summer League that they had this year, um, he looks great when he's in a situation where he's just definitely among the best athletes on the floor and he's just outworking everybody. And then this game, he struggled a little bit, but you could still see, you know, that's not fair. I didn't see a ton of the, the earlier game, but but you could still see him again, struggle with he's up against guys that are as athletic as he is, that are probably a couple inches bigger than he is. I don't know. They're not stronger than he is, though. He's a very strong kid. So, but, yeah, so that was it. Um, That was my thought. I mean, Indiana Elite, control that the 17-under game controlled the game the whole way. Yeah. It wasn't even close um, as far as, I mean, the closest Indy Heat could get, I think, was 12. Um. And I don't think they ever had the ball down 12. So they pretty much were down four four possessions or more through the entire second half. Um, so anything else there that, that caught your eye before we touch on a little bit of the 2022 stuff, which I know you didn't watch, but. Um, no, I think, I think we covered most of, most of what we needed to there. 
complete yeah. game from Indiana Lee. Everything went their way. Just now, now the the sixteen under game. You know the, it was the complete opposite. Indiana Elite struggled. Indy Heat scored the first seventeen points. Um, and I want to make sure I'm getting. You know, you you looked at. I mean the 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 standouts there for me were, one I thought um, I'm gonna I'm gonna butcher his last name here. Um, Landon Babuziak from Hanover Central. That yep. what I I really enjoyed his defensive abilities. He can get out and guard multiple people. He definitely can, you know, if he gets caught on the switch or gets involved in ball screen action, he can, he can definitely get out and, and make make plays and not get completely blown away uh, with quickness. Um, Pete Moe battles. I mean, he's just a big physical kid for Cathedral. Um, Love him, yeah. And and Fletcher Loyal is a ki- lawyer is a kid the, the transfer from Michigan to Homestead. I mm-hmm. he's got some high major offers. It's going to have to prove to me physically that he can handle that. He he can really stroke it, and that's a premium. You know he's he's about six two. Um, I, you know I don't know. He's just and he's thin. That's the thing, and I don't know how he's going to handle it defensively. That I mean he's not committed yet, but he does have some high major offers. Um, and having not seen him play, you, you kind of want to see him just sort of pop. And he definitely can shoot the ball. Um, so the rest of it is just getting to watch him some more and really dissect him physically and, and just seeing what might work and, and what doesn't work. Um, yeah. But the, the the matchup I wanted to talk about the most was, was C.J. Gunn from Lawrence North versus Will Loving Watts from Jeffersonville. And, and – and let's let's start out with with system. So, Indiana Elite that seven that sixteen year old team, almost everything they did was was isolation stuff. And you know the Mahaffey kid from um, is it Ohio? Yep, from Moeller. The Mahaffey kid, yeah, Cincinnati Moeller's gonna be pretty good, right? Loaded, yeah. <laughs> um, Evan Mahaffey looks the part. He's long. Every, I jokingly said before we started recording, everything about Wilma Happy is long. He's long legs, long arms, long dreads, or long braids. He looks he, – he just – he passes the look test. He comes off. He's a good – he's a good good athlete. He's, he's really skilled. Um, but everything they did was isolation stuff, and everything they did was met with extra help defenders, and they, they really struggled doing it. And Loving Watts was in the same position. And – you know, again, there was a stretch in the second half where they had some traction, but they never got close. This this game was Indiana Elite or was Indy Heat from the beginning, and they just kind of put the wood to him. And what impressed me was how C.J. Gunn was in control of every possession he got touches in. And at 6'4", six, 6'5", six, his length, he can really shoot it. He's under control the whole time. He's not trying to do too much. He knows to move the ball when the ball comes back to him, then he attacks. Um, defensively, he certainly is a willing defender. I know he's a capable defender. Sometimes it's tough in the summer because you don't know how much, you know, what is, is there a system, you know, how much they're working on it. Um, on the ball, he's very, you know, he's a very good defender. And I think, you know, you put him in a situation at LN 
where they're really pressuring everybody, his length and quickness is going to be able to cause havoc when you talk about he's playing with Will Avance, he's playing with DJ Hughes. They're going to have some of his younger kids that are, you know, the Omar Cooper, who's just a phenomenal athlete. I mean, CJ may be the fourth best defender on that bunch, and he's a good defender. Um, I don't think that's an insult at all to say that he would be the fourth best defender of of those four guys at at LN, at Lawrence North. So, but then just the control he has with the ball, the command he has with it, his ability to score at all all levels. Um, I've seen him in the past post a little bit. He's not, he didn't do it this game, or if he did, I didn't see it. Um, because of the way that game was taking shape, it was just more or less just walking around, looking at the other game and, and seeing how that went. But because I like watching Jalen Jackson play from Carroll as well. Yeah, um, and, and he belongs in this game. I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm going to peruse. I wanted to do this before. I wanted to peruse Indiana, Indy Heat's roster. I mean, Tayshawn, Tayshawn Comer played awfully well as well so there you know there's no knocking him I but I can't see unless he just wants to be in a situation where he wants to start and maybe he's given the opportunity to do that and I, I've come across kids like that you know where given the choice between the top team or, or second team they choose a second team because you know that there may be a lot of reasons but but part of it is they want to be the guy that runs the team I get that um, but Jalen Jackson needs to be on their top team that's yeah. just my opinion. And, and I've got a pretty high opinion of the kid. I mean, we, again, we talked about that class last week, the point guards and how there's, there's four really good point guards and he's among those four. Yep. Um, and Comer's definitely among that mix as well. So uh, Tayshawn did a really good job of managing possessions, did a great job of getting the ball where it needed to go. Um, didn't really see him shoot. Um, no, he can score. And on that team, on that game, they didn't really need it. And and he didn't force action. And I think that's the big thing you can take away from that is he just didn't force much. And, you know, they had some guys, um, you know, Lawyer was hitting shots. And um, and then, but then the, the stretch in the second half where Gunn was just taking over. And whatever chance Indian Elite had to maybe get it respectable, Gunn kind of closed the door. And, and, looked impressive I more and more I think Gunn's one of the top two or three kids in that class um I know we all want to wait and see how Jalen Washington looks when he's healthy and yeah. see if he can see if he can come back and be the player we all think he is but I I've got I think I'm gonna mentally I kind of got gun in my head as number two or number three and I'd really just have to look and and um I'm gonna kind of switch that list right now and see what my overall thoughts are but but you know for anybody that hasn't seen Jalen Washington, he definitely passes the test. Um, I've got – right now he's number two. And we've even got Bass on this list, even though he doesn't go to school in Indiana. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, I just, I, I just like CJ that much. I, I think he is – he's the best perimeter player in the class. Um, I don't see anybody touching him in that regard, at least not yet. Maybe Bass moves in and – I mean, I, we, we've – we're sort of rating Bass, I guess, just because he is from Indiana. Um, but, I mean, it, it's – I just am more impressed with Gunn every time I see him play. And and he, he always kind of shows me something new. And his ability to be – he was noticeably better than Loving Watts um, this time around. And um, 
I don't know if that was just because the, the team was playing so much better or he is just that much better. And, and Loving's Watts is, you know, is a borderline high major guy. So it's not like there's, uh, it's not like there's any shame in that, but I think Gunn at some point has got to start getting some high majors to, to be more interested in him because he, there's nothing he doesn't do well. And physically he's got all the tools that he needs size, yeah. a good frame to, to build on, you know, to build muscle on oh, and yeah, then, definitely get stronger. Yep, and then just his skill set. So right now his offers are Alabama, A&M, Ball State, Kansas State, Miami of Ohio. Um, right now Ball State and Miami of Ohio are just hoping like hell nobody ever sees him play. Um, maybe Kansas State too. You know, Coach Weber. Yep. Um, Nigel you know, Pack. He got, he got Nigel Pack. Uh, before that, his last recruit out of Indiana was, was Eric, was EJ, was Eric Gordon. Um, I think at some point he had vowed never to recruit Indiana again. I'm I'm joking when I say that. Um, but I, Coach Weber's a guy I knew when he, I've known since he was an assistant at Purdue, and I've appreciated uh, when he was a head coach of Illinois, welcoming me. And um, but I I don't know that he ever would come to Indiana again after what happened with EJ. But um, <laughs> but he's got pack, and and now he's been aggressive with Gun, and I don't blame him. Gun's really damn good. <laughs> Definitely. Um, so, um, Jalen Jackson, they, when they played, when Indy Heat, so we know Indy Heat's top seven, 16 year old team blew out Indiana Elite's top 16 year old team. When Indy Heat's second 16 year old team played Indiana Elite's top 16 year old team, they were, they were more than competitive. That game was pretty tight down the wire. Um, most of it was was Jalen Jackson, and some of it was was Joe Reedy, Reedy or Rady, Rady maybe. Yeah, we should probably we should probably know that. Um, it's Reedy, Reedy. You know, I'm pretty impressed with Reedy. He could get to spots off the dribble. Um, he struggled to he struggled to get through some you know just quicker hands in the paint. You know where usually he might just go up and just be bigger than somebody. And finish, you know, finish over that guy at six, 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 seven, um, you know. But but you get in there, you know, even against Bontrager, who's a kid from his area, um, you know, that was interesting. And and you see how much traffic Reedy has to get through to make a play. Um, he was really good at getting into spots, but then as he got into more traffic, you know, and it didn't turn it over, it just. I think it just kind of threw him off a little bit. And he just had stroke. He just had tr- troubles uh, finishing, and some of the quickness was there. You know, some of the maybe sped up a little bit for him. But but Jalen Jackson was definitely in control of his elements. Uh, that that game was pretty tight to the very end, and um, Loving's Watts played really well that game. Made some plays. Was really uh, impactful on defense. His length, which was able to create uh, offense, you know, transition offense. Um, and then Jackson ran out of gas, a couple late turnovers and their deficit went from, I want to say five to like 10 in a hurry. And, um, and then it just became an exchange of missed threes versus made free throws. And I want to say Indiana lead ended up winning by, or Indy heat beat, I'm sorry, Indiana elites top team beat Indy heat second team by about 11, I think. 
uh, but it was definitely much closer uh, than what that score indicated. So um, Reed is a kid, though, that as much as I think Jalen Jackson is a Division One player and we'll start getting Division One offers here pretty soon, uh, I think Reedy's a guy that's, if I'm a Division Two school, I'm definitely taking a look at him. I think at that level he can be a stretch four. He's, he's a tough kid. Um, you know, if there's a combination of athletic, skilled, strong fours at the Division Two level, okay, maybe maybe that'll put Reedy at a disadvantage. But I don't – you know, I've seen when Indianapolis – like Indianapolis played Trevor Lakes at the four. Um, Trevor Lakes has since transferred to Nebraska. Trevor Lakes is a high, high, high caliber shooter with length, um, you know, physically, physically Reedy's on par with that. And, and, you know, University of Indianapolis was really good last year. Um, one of the top teams in the country with essentially a tweener forward who could really, really shoot it, playing the four spot. And I, I think Reedy's that. I think Reedy's that guy too. I think Reedy's probably stronger, and maybe a better overall defender at that at a comparable age. Um, so if I'm Division two schools, I'm definitely looking at Joe Reedy. And, and yeah. if I'm all these NAIA schools that have these couple of NAIA schools that have jumped on, I'm definitely hoping nobody sees him play. So <laughs> I liked Reedy a lot. And um, but um, anyway, so you didn't get a chance to watch that game. Um, I'll try to but, this week sometime. With yeah, I, I, yeah. I just think that I don't, I I continue to be on the Jalen Jackson bandwagon. Oh, me um, too. I love love that kid's game. Yeah, I I just like that he's never. There were some stretches there late where he was a little bit trying to do a little bit too much, but you know they're desperate at that point. You know, right. Um, other than that, I don't see him doing. I don't see him being inefficient. No, you know, and I. I like that he plays in a good motion system at Carroll because I'm a motion snob. So he comes in with the ability right away to play without the basketball. Um, and that puts him in a great opportunity because he trusts that if the ball goes away from him, it's going to come back to him. And, and then he can make, then he can go out and make a second level, you know, a second set of plays. Yeah. And so enjoy watching like him play. Go, like go. Yeah. Like I mentioned before about him, I, I just feel like he, what I've seen him play is has been with the upper team, like you're saying he should have been playing on with CJ and uh, uh, Davis, Mo, Pete, Pete Mo, and I just felt like that's his that's his fit. He fit right in with those guys. Plays really under control. Wasn't trying to do too much with those guys. It was just it's, it's just a good fit for him. Not having to do everything well, or feel like looked- he. Or maybe feel like he has to do everything sometimes. Yeah, and you look at Indy Heat's roster at that age group. Their the roster has had some transition. There's some guys there. I don't know the out of you know. I don't know much about the out of state guys. Um, I'll make this bigger so I can read it. Um, Kevin Jai from Centerville, Ohio, is still with them for sure. So is Jack uh, Karasinski from from Central Catholic in Michigan or Catholic Central in Michigan. Uh, I didn't see Paul McMillan, who appears to be a point guard. Um, of course, the roster we have, Tayshawn Comer is not on that roster, so there's so he's definitely with them now. So he's swapped out for McMillan. That's the only legitimate – Comer's the only legitimate point guard they've got. Um, now, J.J. Loudon played a lot of point for them in the game that we saw against Team Teague, 
but Loudon has since left and, and moved over to play for EG10. Um, yeah. And Deontay Davis, who is listed on the roster that we've got from the very beginning of the summer, but he doesn't have a number, so I'm guessing at some point he's not he's not a pure fit with him or he's not a permanent fit with him. He also played against Team Teague, but was not there this past weekend. So, um, And he played with them the couple weekends ago when I saw him in Fort Wayne, though. Did you, though? Okay, so maybe yeah. he just wasn't there this weekend. But, um, boy, if he was there, I didn't notice him. But I don't think he was there because I, I think I would have noticed uh, Deontay yeah. Davis. So, um, but, but Buziak played awfully well where he didn't play much against Team Teague. So I thought he looked awfully good this weekend. He started alongside Mo uh, up front, which made for a pretty big front line. And, and he is definitely mobile enough um, that he was not – was not taken advantage of by um, by what anything Indian Elite was trying to do with just a little bit of a smaller lineup. So uh, Tavon Jackson was not there. I'm just looking at an old roster that I think was probably submitted back in March. Um, and um, did Andrew Lee play? He did. You know what? And he came in. He got a couple of catches and 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 was in and out of his hands in a hurry. I liked his shot. He didn't yeah, play yeah. much though. And a, and a lot of that is he's he's playing behind lawyer and and gun, and I don't know how often I'm taking gun out of any game. No. Um, yeah. And lawyer just would depend. And and again, I'm going back to my view that just physically lawyer, um, just then, you know, and and um, I can see leaper. If you can cross, if you could put gun on somebody else's shooting guard, and put leaper on a three then um, it's probably a de better defensive situation. But, but I'm, just, I'm just prejudicing Lawyer because I, I just think he's thin right now and I've not seen enough of him. I've not right. seen enough of him to make a, a, a great, you know, to have a too informed of an impression. But, but, I mean, Homestead's got a nice trio of players. They've got Lawyer, they've got Luke Good, and then they've got Andrew Leeper. And then Leeper's got a younger brother who I think is going to be able to contribute a little bit at the varsity level. Um, at, at least be a motor guy who who can help you know make plays and and um, like on the you know rebound and make hustle plays and things like that. But they've got those three guys who I think are going to be the centerpiece of their offense. And and um, of course for me I look at that as that's Carmel's regional and and um, you know that's the last team to beat Carmel in the regional. So that's not yeah. true. McCutcheon was. <laughs> McCutcheon with fantasy. Um, that's the, that's, and that's the sidebar before we uh, got a chance to talk to um, Trey Galloway a little bit. It was good to see him. Um, didn't notice him in his mask with his long shaggy hair and his, his backward hat. Um, so it was nice of him to say hi to me because I didn't recognize him. Um, and then got a chance to see Robert fantasy. And um, I always say there's, there's usually one kid in every class that I don't coach that I sort of like I'm, I'm the captain of their, or the, the head of their bandwagon, uh, the class 2018, that was fantasy. Uh, I, I think class 2022, it's CJ gun. So, uh, but fantasy, uh, for IU fans perspective, it feels very, very healthy. He said he feels better than he's felt in a long time. He said he started feeling a lot better, uh, about a month after the season was over. And, you know, it just kind of confirms that he I don't think he was healthy at all at any point during his sophomore year. So 
So he said workouts have been good. They've uh, they've talked to him more than Galloway about just anything you know, about you know stuff in general. He said workouts were going well. He made it sound like they were able to get some stuff done that other colleges weren't. And I don't know if that's because they they've not had any positive tests for COVID. Um, yeah, it could be. Or if the university is just letting them do more. Um, I think Indiana University's handled it pretty well. You've not heard a whole lot out of their football situation either as far as positive tests, at least since they've, they've come in into the, uh, onto campus. Um, but um, both were obviously very uh, hopeful about the upcoming season because they feel like they're going to have a lot of success. And, and I would be having the same, we'd be having the same discussion about Purdue if I had, if any of their guys had shown up or that I got a chance to talk with them, but, but uh, did get a chance to talk with probably the two players at IU that I know the best. So it was, it was nice of them to say hi and, and chat it up a little bit. So, um, well, that, that is, that's it for battle, the band, battle, battle, of the brands. I don't know that we had anything else on the agenda. Uh, was there anything else you wanted to cover before we, uh, before we get out of here? I mean, I could talk about Waukegan a little bit from Thursday night. Yeah. You know what? Do that. We, so you're going to definitely talk about two guys that nobody's seen yet because they're playing on Illinois teams and, and poor Illinois Poor Illinois had issues, especially with Chicago. It's like yes. the whole state shuts down. I feel bad for the rest of the state because Chicago is kind of just because of density and population. But, yeah, go ahead and touch on what you saw up there Thursday with Fundamental U and, and the George Hill guys. And, yeah, and, so te- I was, and, team fo- and team focus, too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I, can, I saw two games of each Thursday night in Waukegan. Uh, I got to see Chris Mantis and uh, – Kyle Ross for them. Uh, kind of a tale of two games for those two. Uh, Mantis more assertive and dominant in the first game for them. Uh, Ross switched with him in the second game against George Hill and was more dominant and assertive in that game for them. Uh, Mantis looked really good in the first game, like I said, posted up well. Took his, he knew when he had a mismatch to, to post up threes definitely a stronger first game from Chris uh but it was him and then like I said Kyle Ross first game he was there uh had a couple couple good moves here and there but second game was definitely more his thing way more aggressive uh sealed and scored inside hit some nice jumpers uh offensive glass he was all over uh Definitely more energy in that game. So it was good to see those two guys play. Good. How did Manit – so you said Manit shot the ball well the first game. I saw the Illinois-Indiana game um, Wednesday up at night. Hammond. Yeah, Wednesday night at Hammond. And as effective as Manis was, posted up a little bit, as you, as you referred to, and he was active on the offensive glass, did not shoot the ball well. And, and Ross, in a, in a game like that, they never throw big guys the ball. And, and then this Illinois team came out in a freaking zone. <laughs> so we're playing it. Not only is it like an AAU team, it's not even an AAU team. They're just like an all-star game. Right. You know, and as much as I hate zone, I hate zones even worse than all-star games. So, so Ross didn't get a whole lot of touches. His, his two touches in the high post, he, he scored on both of them. And I would think you would at least go to him more, but, but, um, now, I think Ross can be more active on the offensive glass when he's not getting touches. Um, 
and that's what Manus was active on the offensive glass. Not not just because he because he was getting touches, but he was more active on the offensive glass than Ross was. Now Ross rebounded extremely well on the defensive end, but but yeah, Manus normally is a very good shooter. Did not shoot well Wednesday. Yeah. Um, and that seemed to carry over into Thursday. For, but for the but man, game. you know, again, you look at his body. He's got a lot of maturing to do physically, and and that's yeah. that's a positive. I mean, he's just he, and he's continued to grow. He's six seven. He can be a primary ball handler, definitely at the high school level, and he can be a primary ball handler against certain matchups at the Division One level. Um, definitely foresee that as being a as being a part of his future, um, and also seeing a kid that can that can post up in spot situations. Yeah, um, you know he's he's got good feet in the post, and he's he definitely has length to get the ball up and and get it over his defender. And I think if he can. You know, you get somebody that's a little bit shorter than him guarding, which is probably going to happen a lot. I think he'll have opportunities at the at the college level to to you know to sneak in and get some post touches. So, sure. what? How um, would you compare him to uh to like a, a Brooks Barnheiser type size wise and kind of the same roles? I feel like. Um, you know, yeah. Barnheiser. Well, I, I I've never seen Barnheiser post, so okay. I I don't I don't know that. Um, yeah. You know, and, and Brooke, you know, you look back at these games that we saw sat, that I saw yesterday. He came out against the Indiana Elite's top 17-year-old team very well, shot the ball very well early. Things started to go. He, he stopped hitting. Um, but what I liked about Barnheiser that game was how he was definitely competitive. I mean, definitely was comparable physically. Um, yeah. He's a strong kid. He's definitely more physically mature than Manis. Um, yes. So he is, Stronger. and he's probably a better athlete. Not that Manis is a bad athlete, but but Barnheiser is definitely a better athlete. He gets up into a shot a little bit higher. Um, both have quick releases. Um, I like Manis a little bit better. I know Barnheiser is committed to Northwestern. He's squarely, you know, he's a high, that's a high major kid. He didn't have a lot of high major offers. Um, so... Um, the um, you know the the thing that I like about Manis is I think that he just has so much more to do more to grow physically, yeah. That ev eventually he's got a higher ceiling. Um, but Barnheiser is such a premium shooter, and can imagine what that looks like coming off screens, which they don't do a ton of at Jeff, um, and they. You know, and some of the some of the touches he gets, he handles the ball a lot for 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 Fonso White's Indiana Elite team. Fonso White's the head coach at Fort Wayne Lures. He coaches that second Indiana Elite team at the seventeen and under level. Um, and Barnheiser runs the runs the point a lot. He plays with Kimani Peterson from Gary West, um, but Barnheiser handles the ball quite a bit, especially in in you know in transition. Um, they don't bring him off a lot of screens for this team. Uh, a lot of off-ball screens. So the, um, but I, I don't know. I, I don't think Northwestern's wrong for taking a chance on Barnheiser, but I just think Manis has got a higher ceiling. Um, but really, that's just picking nits. It's mostly because I think Manis physically has more room to grow than what Barnheiser is going to do. And not, I don't mean grow in terms of getting taller, but but grow in terms of getting stronger. 
Yeah. Barnheiser is closer to his physical ceiling than Manis is. And and I, I think that gives Chris an advantage going forward. Um but you know, it still means Barnheiser's really good. So sometimes I feel like we need to state the obvious. <laughs> but um what okay, what so else? Yeah, what about George Hill? George Hill team you got to see for the first time. So tell me about my guy, yes. Javon Small. Yeah, your guy, Javon Small, had himself a night. I tell you that. He looked really good. Loved him shooting the ball. He, said he ran off three threes in a row in one of the games. Uh, really good killer instinct for that kid. Uh, could shoot it, like I said. He was finishing at the rim, getting by defenders easily, good in transition, good passing. Just total package for Javon Small, I feel like. Uh, and then I got to see his his running mate at the other guard spot, Shamar Avance, also for the first time. Played with a lot of swag. Uh, good floor leader, I feel like. Can sit down on defense on kids. Uh, just really gets in your face. And he'll let you know it, too, during the games. <laughs> yeah, he talks. No uh, question. Yeah, he, does. he talks. Uh, I loved it, though. It was good to see that out there and just being competitive in a situation like that. Uh, those two guys were really good. Uh, Vincent Brady from Cathedral was good. Uh, shot the shoot? ball really well. Yeah, shot good. the ball really well this weekend. Yeah. He's got a little bounce in his step, too. I didn't. I wasn't ready for a couple dunks he had, but, man, he looked really good. Uh, his game is – his game – so he's played – so he played with Blake Wesley and um, and uh, Jaden Taylor on on the same team, along with Manis, um, and um, oh, I guess they played um, Rogers from Louisville, the point guard, um, and then Lane Sparks. But but basically, Blake Wesley, Jaden Taylor, Chris Manis, and and and. Um, Vincent Brady were all on the same team last year, last summer. So, you know, there's, there's no shame in coming off the bench with that, with that group, but, um, but it was, um, he struggled. I mean, his game overall has just gotten better. He shoots the ball better. Now he drives the ball better. Um, He's just a little bit more aggressive than what he's been in the past. And I think really it's just mostly because his shooting's improved and, and you really can't, you can't self off of him at all. You've got to get tight on him and, yeah, and not not give him room, so it's opened up the rest of his game. Yeah, he, he shot really well. So then those those three and uh, PJ Edwards, I asked you about Thursday night. You said he's from Indianapolis. He's a Lawrence Central kid who has transferred at a I think to a just a school I think in Chicago or in the, or near Chicago. Okay. Um, I I really didn't know much about him. Um, I know that. George Hill guys are pretty high on him. Mike Saunders is high on him. Um, but that's the extent to which I know. I know I was – they play in a league here at the Best Choice on Thursday nights, and and he was here for that. Of course, you know, there's no no school right now, so he's home, I assume. Presumably he's home with his family. But he um, it didn't do much in the first half of the game that I watched. In the second half, he kind of – you know, he made some plays, and you could see some talent. and um, Judging by social media, he's he's had some good games, but I don't I don't know much about him at, at all. I don't even remember him being at Lawrence Central. So, okay. Um, of course, when you look at some of the kids that were ahead of him, just in terms of school year, um, 
you know, if he's if since he's not been around for a couple of years, you're talking about he would have had to have made an impression as a freshman. And I, I just didn't know much about him. So sure. Uh and then Jalen Carson, I felt like he he did well inside. And Good. Just rebounded well. Didn't try to do too much. Didn't knew his role, it felt like with that team. When his, when his I was to say when his motor's going, he's he's a problem because he's just so long and yeah and his get and his physically is just getting stronger and and you know he's just not as impacted by contact as what he what he used to be of course that comes with strength and um but yeah when his motors when his motor's going he's really good and when it's not he can kind of drift you know and that's that's what he did against Carmel and their their last one of their last games of the year Carmel played awfully well and and um and Jalen had a good start but then his picked up a couple of fouls and his things kind of got away from him he sort of disappeared but but then I've seen him play a couple of times this summer where he's just been kind of non-stop from from tip tip the horn so and yeah and then team focus uh some of the guys I didn't recognize and I they weren't on the roster for over there that I had anyway but but they had Jackson Paul as usual uh well this is their 17 year old team right Okay. He did his thing uh, in the first game that I saw. Uh, they had Landon Jordan actually who was playing with them also over there, who's usually an Indy Heat guy. Uh, and he did, and he played yesterday for Indy Heat, didn't he? I thought. Uh, I thought I saw him uh, on some of the tape when I was. Oh, really? It. Okay. I, yeah, I don't know. I was, okay. <laughs> I didn't see much of what I much of what I saw was Jalen Jackson. So. Okay. Uh, but then. The, I got to see them play against uh, Patrick Baldwin Jr. Uh, and Tyler Heroes AAU team. Patrick Baldwin's uh, yeah. one of the, the top prospects in the country, I'm pretty sure, if not top two. Uh, but that team was just unreal. And they – Focus had no no answer for those guys. Those, oh, those that's the Tyler, the Tyler Hero team. Yeah, the Tyler Hero team is just huge. Patrick Baldwin plays for them, and he's – it was incredible to see a, a, a kid like that play. Baldwin's got an Indiana connection that I'm not recalling. It, I know it has something to do with his father and maybe a coaching job where he was on staff somewhere in state. Um, but because um, he he almost played for our our our, our grassroots Indiana 2021 team um, a couple of years ago, and just the, the thought of trying to get him down here, just logistics, it wasn't going to work out. And, yeah. and you know, you take a kid from Wisconsin and roll him through Chicago. You're not going to get, you're not going to get a lot of those guys. And, but there was a, there was a deal where he could have used an Indiana address because he, he still had residence here, but because they were, I guess they were still trying to sell a house. <laughs> so it was <laughs> going to work out. I don't know what, what the connection was. I can't remember what it was, but it had something to do with the, the job that his father had uh, before moving up uh, to, to Wisconsin. So. Yeah. So that's about all I had from, from Waukegan. Yeah, that's good. Got a chance, you know, it watched um Yeah, that that game at Hammond was I don't know, it was okay. It was bad basketball. But it was fun. There was a lot of pride between the Indiana and Illinois guys. There was some some good trash talking late in the game, especially. Illinois ended up winning the seventeen year old game and there was a massive celebration on the court. I didn't get it. Um but you know, it's region versus Chicago, so it's you know, no different than you know, city, this IPS, you know, the city county game here in Indianapolis. 
probably be the same same type of situation where they're friends off the court, but on the court they just were just <laughs> nonstop sniping and yeah. and this guy was rolling through yelling, This is our house and all this stuff. And it was like, man, it was on the surface it was really bad basketball. But um kids had fun and got a chance to see some kids they don't normally got to see oh, there we go, got to see Corin Davis for the first time. And uh we'll we'll close out on him. I, I liked him. He's you know, six five. He can handle the ball. He can be a primary ball handler. He, he's got that cross body, not quite as bad as what Lonzo Balls was, but he's got that cross body shot mechanics. So he's um, and and while it looks great off the catch, off the dribble, he, he's got you know he has a hard time getting in the shooting pocket. So he's pretty much floater or or get to the rim off the dribble, and. Um, especially when he's going to his right. When he's going to his right, he's definitely not shooting jump shots. So um, I liked his defense. I liked his passing. I'd like to see him play more, uh, see what he's like off the ball. Um, because you talk about a you know situation where there was definitely no offensive system. That game was one of them. So, um, but he, no, he, he looked good. You know, you, you watched Bowman play a couple times this year. He was, he was out or injured in both games. He was supposed to play for one of the Indian Elite teams, the the second team. Um, he's on their roster, but he's not been with them. Uh, so it was a good chance to watch him play. And I think a lot of it between him and Manis and Ross playing for Illinois teams, even Keon Thompson from Merrillville, just all those guys not being able to see them play yet because, uh, the, you know, they're playing for Chicago AAU teams um, who haven't been able to play. Um, yeah. You know, it's um, it was, it was just a good enough excuse to go up there and watch, and and glad I did. So, but and glad you could get yeah, to walk Eagle. So, yeah, me too. Good to see A Vance and Small and those guys play, and and Mantis and Ross. Yep. Good. Well, is that that it as far as um, stuff we saw this week? We we both got a chance to get out and see games this week, which is not unusual for me. Um but some midweek action. Yeah. They're going to have it again. I don't know if they're going to be at Waukegan or Milwaukee, but may take a look at that. So, um, but you'll be in school by then. You'll be, you'll be working. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Um, well, that's, that's it for this week. We are uh, throw out a quick sponsor and full disclosure. This is something that I run the Metro Indy basketball fall league. It's our 14th annual league. And um, we have over 300 kids every year, th- close to 350 kids every year, anywhere from 32 to, to 38 teams in a given year. Uh, most of the best kids from Central, Indi- Central Indiana, as well as kids from other parts of the state. Every now and then we get an Ohio kid and an Illinois kid too. So Metro Indiana Basketball Fall League, you could sign up and register. Uh, the, the dates for the, the league are October 11th, 18th, 25th. And November 1st, which is done in time for um, for school season to start. School basketball starts, uh, hopefully we have it, on November 9th. So there's a good uh, good gap in between the end of the league and the start of your basketball season. And like I said, it's the 14th annual league. You can get more information and register at MetroIndieBasketball.com. Zach, you got anything to push before we head out? Uh, I think I'll have something next week. For you, you will to, nice to push. yeah yeah all right 
There we go. Well, good. Look forward to it. Of course, that Indiana podcast is available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Get a chance to uh, subscribe to those uh, feeds, either one of those two feeds. And as always, we're also available on SoundCloud, which is what we, uh, which is basically our server and our host. Um, and those, uh, those Spotify and Apple, especially, and, and SoundCloud are all available on your phone, your tablet, or your desktop. So, Zach, appreciate uh, your time as always. Yep, back to the grind this next week here. Back to the grind, getting, getting back into school. This is Courtside Indiana Podcast. I want to thank everybody for listening.